Show with me, Swinton Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we're joined by Rick Story to discuss what actually is degeneracy and decadence. Tim. If one could make the strongest criticism by uh, paleocons of like libertarianism in general or modern society, sort of an issue that divides certain kinds of libertarians, and we're still somewhat libertarians here, it's probably uh, degeneracy and decadence here, or maybe even liberalism in general here. Uh, and I think it's not that hard to say that we live in a decadent age here. Uh, maybe it's not quite a rerun of the 1920s, but we have a significant amount of inflation, significant amount of spending of money um, in the past two years, inflation of the money supply here. Uh, we've also had the United States. Now, Britain played a small, smaller role, but we had the war in Afghanistan. I'm not sure the actual price tag. There's probably a larger price tag of it, um, which basically after maybe they caught the guy, they should have just ended it. But it was basically another pointless war, which you know spilled over into Syria and then turned into a migration crisis, sort of undermined that. You also have a few other pointless wars they fought that also contributed to that as well. Um, um, so this, so I would say we're living in a decadent age, and I would also say we're living in a degenerate age in somewhat. We're somewhat in decline. Even books like Tyler Cowan, Libertary-ish Economist, wrote a book called The Great Stagnation. Uh, you know, there, there probably more more new things were invented probably before 1970 than after 1970, for example. Um, but uh, regardless of one's view on like you know economic growth or anything like that. Uh, uh, most Western governments here uh, have had huge amounts of inflation increasingly, uh, and it, there's nothing – the future doesn't look as bright as it did, you know, say in 1960 or say in 2000. You know, it's actually looking quite totalitarian in a way um, with the sort of forced boosters and all sorts of things. You look at Australia, Australia has looked quite draconian. And internally, certain things are looking bad as well. I don't know if you walk around a supermarket or a store, you see obesity is on the rise. And again, I'm not like fat shaming. And there are different types of fat people. I mean, it's one thing to see a, like a piano mover type fat person. But this is if you see like a 40 year old guy or girl in a, you know, riding a scooter, that kind of obesity is way up. Childhood obesity is way up. I'm not just talking about big boned or pudgy people. I'm talking about like. Uh, people can't walk up steps. And I, that's just sort of a um, it, in some ways it's sad. In some ways, it's just it's horrifying. In some ways, it's almost hilarious in, in a certain sense. Um, uh, uh, as a kid, I always hated the movie Wally because I thought that seems like the future we're going towards. You know, is Disney really doing is Disney really doing that? And that was one of the sad things about the pen. The, the, I would call it the scamademic here, uh, you know human contact was basically shut down. Now, again, people had informal freedom. People just went out anyway, um, um, uh, if you were allowed to. Some countries of Europe and Asia were much more draconian than United States and Britain than to the extent they enforced the rules. So, like, you know, corporate-sponsored BLM protests were okay. Easter or Easter services, ga Thanksgiving gatherings, not okay. Uh, I think the one Kentucky senator, senator had a row with Fauci over this, you know, like what's the difference between a, a rally and a church service here? So we've seen an obvious trend toward the tyranny there. Uh, and actually, California, the Supreme Court in California had to give a most favored nation clause. So MacArthur, famous American Calvinist, uh, had something like 
if whatever if nail salons and uh, and tattoo parlors are allowed to be open, other places should be allowed to be open as well. So we've seen inflation, we've seen a rise in obesity, um, and uh, uh, we've also uh, seen a rise in the megacorps here. You know, the megacorps have cleaned up recently against the petite bourgeois. Uh, you know, Amazon stock is way up. Walmart stock is way up. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's sort of funny about who's cheering on the recent things here. Uh, so, so I don't see a way out of this. Uh, I don't see a way out of this. I think we clearly are. I would assume you would, you Rick would agree with this. Um, so, well, how would you disagree or agree with my statement here? Are we living in a decadent society? Are we living in a degenerate society? Do you agree, Rick? Thanks for being honest, by the way, as well. Oh, uh, not at all. Um, I'm always grateful to be on your show. I really enjoy speaking with you too. Um, defining degeneracy, I think, is something I, f- I find a little bit easier. Decadence, when you speak about decadence, um, I think it can tend to be a little bit more subjective in, in a lot of ways. Um, so many of the things you were talking about there, Tim, uh, I, I think we're informed heavily by um, the, the the Christian background of the West. And I mean, certainly, you know, I'm always you know upfront and honest about this when I'm on your show. My own view, you know, if I had to give an analysis, I think I'd just be leaning very heavily on my moral sensibilities as a Catholic. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be looking at the seven deadly sins and I would be uh, making judgments about myself. <laughs> yes, but undeniably, I, I'd be doing so about other people. Um, you know, you mentioned obesity there. Um you know, immediately to that, to me, that means gluttony. The, the, that automatically means um, a uh, um, an entropic decline um, in w- one's ability to, well, you know, control oneself to have, you know, to have a um, the, the wisdom, the temperance, you know, as classic virtues. Um, so that you know, one is well in control of oneself. One is not. Um, you know, a slave to one's passions, and and in that sense, um, one reflects more of um, the the qualities of God. And it's in that sense, you know, you can speak of man being made in the image of God, but you know, being an imager of God, sort of um, um, like a, uh, a, a you know, in the same way that a painting of a cat is, you know, it's not the cat. Um, it's an imperfect version of of that, you know. In in the temporal world, you know, man being rational um, is you know best placed to kind of reflect um, God, you know, a sort of ideal, um, um, qualitatively perfect being. Um, so I mean, I I'd, I'd just be doing that now if I had to try and be a bit more objective about what decadence is um and to some extent degeneracy uh well i had the pleasure of reading two very short books essays i would say uh by two authors in the 20th century one is called uh, john glubb 
and the other one is called uh, Hubbard. I can't remember his first name, but it's quite interesting because they independently named their essays the same title. It's called The Fate of Empires, and they were both looking at the decline of the British Empire in the early 20th century. I thought that was you know, quite interesting that they were both doing the same thing, same title. So I read them both. And uh, also interesting, they, they basically came to the same conclusion. They were looking historically at um, nations, empires, uh, civilizations, if you will, and more recently nation states as well. And Glob in particular um, noted that it, it seems like there's uh, typically a life cycle um, to these you know larger you know groupings of, of humans that sort of uh, rises you know maybe through military power or you know um, cultural influence and then there's a decline um, and it, it, interestingly statistical data more you know recent techniques have shown that that 250 year um, period uh, for growth and decline of um, you know, empires especially um, that that is a very strong trend so glove was actually right there it, it seems to be uh, 10 times a human generation if you think about it like that and uh, yeah they, they also said so why does an empire rise what's causing it to rise in the first place to the point that you would maybe point back and say oh look there's a golden age there or something like that um, and oh, weren't the people so virtuous back then? Um, and so, you know, it, it basically, you know, it seems to be, you know, there'll be some military conquest, there'll be some cultural influence and an empire will grow. And, um, you know, it's a case of, you know, hard times makes strong men, you know, st strong men create good times. And um, it, it, the empire grows and it reaches its sort of optimum growth. And then the competition starts to turn inward. It starts to look within, obviously, a, an era of peace, the sort of Pax Romana, if you will, where, you know, trade is then able um, to, is facilitated, you know, trade can happen much more readily, much more easily, you know, fear of bandits and that kind of stuff. And uh, commerce, you know, internal uh, competition in commerce uh, then becomes the, the the battleground, if you will. And um, it, it, it seems that the um, the virtues of people, and, and again, this is being objective. This is not just looking in Europe or the West. This is looking in the Middle East. This is looking in the Far East as well. Um, it seems that then, you know, an era of what they would have called decadence back then starts to set in. And basically what they see occurs is um, uh, people go from generally thinking of virtues as being a sort of public spiritedness, a sense of duty. You have a duty to your family, you have a duty to your your people, your nation, the empire, whatever it is. And obviously, it, it, you know, that's a much, it, a much more martial thing as well. And it's much more um, uh, masculine, I suppose, it, but in a sort of militaristic sense, in a sort of uh, arist old aristocratic sense. And um, then that gets turned when there's this internal sort of financial competition that goes on, that gets turned to a more um, selfish, maybe much, much, much more nuclear family um, oriented, um, you know, focus on 
my little fiefdom, my uh, my dynasty, my uh, my land. You know, these former warriors. You know, they they would become you know landed gentry very often, and then um, yeah, that, that internal competition reduces that public spiritedness. So they so they would see that as being uh, decadence. If if you have what was once you know very successful, very imperial sort of growth, and then financialization of the economy comes, and um, the, the the virtues of the people become much more about status in terms of money. And something else that they noted were you know across the board was that actors um actors and sports figures like that they start to become the idols of the people they start to become the ones that statues are made of they start to be the people that uh, uh, that the public most want to emulate um uh yes there's one other point i was going to make there but uh i mean basically that's oh yeah the other thing was uh, that they say also that um uh, the, the the intellectual class starts to become that much more important to um, the elites because, of course, they, you know, they, they need, a, you know, a body, a sort of academics, sages, whatever it's going to be to justify this radical change in in the, the virtues of the people. And so, uh, you know, they have to justify it by saying, oh, those former days of warlike glory. Oh, well, that was bad. You know, the days of of, of your where, you know, um, uh, our heroes were warriors, you know, that, that was all bad. And, and we, we reject that now. We, you know, we move beyond that and uh, we've outgrown that. Um, and, you know, then, of course, there's the, the, the justification of things being much more individualistic in that um, that that economic sense. I mean, whether you agree with them or not, but that's that's decadence. Certainly what it does is it um, it causes empires to decline and to crumble. No, and libertarian might look at that and say, well, OK, but actually, I, I kind of like that because what we're talking about here is also, you know, you know, nation states and perhaps quite uh, tyrannical political arrangements that are crumbling. And, and what would then grow out of that is uh, much smaller political arrangements. You know, after all, you know, that's what the the Greek uh, polis was. You know, it was emerging from a dark age after um, the collapse of well, several empires at once from the Bronze Age. And um, so, you know, e e even there, can you call that decadence? I suppose if it if it leads to a dark age um, and tremendous difficulty that would then have to be um, out, outgrown, you know, you'd have to build from the ground up thereafter. In that sense, in the, in the sense of making life more difficult, in the sense of even ending life, uh, reducing the quality of life, I suppose we could definitely say that it's degenerate in the, you know, in the proper sense of the word degenerate. Um, I, I don't know what you'd have to say on, on my thoughts there. I hope I haven't gone off too much of a tangent. Oh, no, no, far from it. That was um, those two uh, authors uh, putting sort of historical context <clears throat> of, um, of empires is quite interesting. Um, when it comes to the term um, de decadence and degeneracy, et cetera, I mean, in, I mean, it, it, it depends how you kind of want to define them in certain respects. And the question is, to what extent are they are they meaningful? 
Um, although it does make sense that, as, as you point out, as a society becomes relatively richer from this space, um, it then focuses itself more on sort of wealth and riches and comfort than it was able to do beforehand. Which isn't to say that comfort and wealth are bad per se, but rather um, the focus um, on there um, as being um, you know, something we should, we should we should aim at. That's kind of like the goal, as it were, rather than rather than uh, sort of like um, general consequence of living sort of like a virtuous life as such. Um, when it comes to sort of decadence in general, the um, the way I would tend to uh, conceive of it as I mean, uh, Tim mentioned the 1920s. Um, in a way, uh, decadence is sort of like the vice of excess to a large extent. Um, it's uh, about indulgence and taking um, uh, comfort or drink um, or all these sort of, uh, as it were, worldly pleasures and just sort of in, indulging and going all the way. Um, there's uh, a lack sort of of, um, of, of temperance. As a way, and it's interesting you mentioned like the um, and, and this was sort of like the the opposite of sort of like a very ascetic society, uh, very much the uh, the opposite of say Sparta. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to go around and say the Spartans were decadent, particularly. Uh, that would be an idiosyncratic use of the word um, uh, decadent there. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned the seven deadly sins is interesting. I think pretty much every single one could be um, l l uh, laid at the door of the current society. Sort of lust. Yes, a lot of it. Um, gluttony, clearly, uh, with uh, overconsumption. Greed, you know, trying to earn as, uh, and then, well, not just earning necessarily, but the um, desiring uh, others' wealth, etc., Sloth, possibly among certain peoples, although I don't think that's necessarily uh, society hugely slothful. I mean, obviously there are elements that are. I, I would be sort of, um, I'd be, I, it's hard to say overall uh, with that. Uh, is it a wrathful society? Yeah, uh, in um, certain ways. Um, um, envy, well. Obviously, I mean that's 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 pretty obvious. General policy, and then pride. Well, we we have pride marches, so I think that's pretty obvious that pride is um is is, is pretty darn uh, high there. Um, so yeah, I, I think the way I would generally see it is its decadence is in is in uh, contrast to um essentially asceticism, and so if you have sort of um a um a continuum of so like the ultimate asceticism uh complete decadence um sorry form of temperance in the middle i mean it's pretty clear that society now much more than say 40 years ago uh, sorry in the 1940s is very much more towards the uh, decadent end rather than the um ascetic end yeah, I just wanted to say there quickly, Sylvan, thank you for actually properly answering Tim's question for me, because t Tim did actually ask, do I think that uh, we're living in a decadent time right now? And um, you have just applied my my own um, uh, moral standard 
to to the time that we're living in now and and so you know by that standard yes you know it does seem as though we're living in a uh, a decadent age so yeah thank you for that you don't necessarily need to take sort of like seven deadly sins as such i just think if you just look at it on the basis of asceticism and sort of indulgence i mean that's pretty you know high up in the western world i mean it's even used actually as a um as a metric indulgence and restraint is used by a um a social psychologist called gert hofstetter um who ranks countries based on various of his psychometric uh measures and he, his thing is actually used in business to try and understand international markets and unsurprisingly the americans come out very high on indulgence much more so than say the uh, the chinese um um or other other countries i think the americans come out with the highest i think there um so the indulgence restraint sort of axis is not unique and i don't think sort of necessarily m morally normative in a sense but rather i think is a relatively fair description of um the the state of things tim any yeah. comments so far Oh yes. Uh, as far as the uh, your, this is one of the areas where I think libertarians have a sort of special insight uh, to the argue, to the argument discussion compared to uh, uh, conservatives uh, because of the uh, sort of especially the Ron Paul type Misesian type ones uh, because the the uh, focus on sound money here. One of the reasons why you'd save is you could have more future goods. It's time preference here. And as as I stated in my opening monologue there. We've had a lot of short-term spending here, and it's it's sort of funny. It all goes to like Amazon consumer goods. It goes, a lot, not all of it, but a good portion of it goes to useless, uh, air quote, somewhat useless, I should say, uh, stuff and consumer goods here. As your point about sports being popular, uh, sports and entertainment uh, uh, entertainers being popular is also probably worth uh, noting there. Uh, uh, that was actually one of the um, Peter Hitchens was asked in an interview, you know, what what he made of um, sports. He said one of the things about the late the Soviets would obsess over sports and the Soviets uh, sort of fell apart as well. Um, so the the obsession over like like professional sports to the point of to use idolatry uh, is probably also not um, very uh, good uh, there for the health of either you know, the United States or Britain. Uh, as far as moving on here. Is this just cyclical? You know, uh, John Gray, sort of historian, not, not, uh, was, um, was talking about the, the ancient Greeks, and apparently the ancient Greeks had a more circular view of, of uh, time periods here. Whether they did or not is some question. I'm just sort of taking it as word for it. I always thought that was sort of interesting here. That you know, you, you brought up the poem about the good times leading to bad. Good good times create weak men. Uh, well, yeah, good times create weak men. Um, was this just uh, somewhat inevitable here? Uh, you know, we did have a series of f economic inventions. We did have a long period of peace here. Read someone like Peter Zeeland. Whatever you think of NATO or war the Second World War, uh, uh, we did have amongst amongst the so to speak Western developed societies. There was a period. Uh, everything everything west of Berlin was basically peaceful. Uh, in lots of internal trade internal travel um, and, and so forth here, which was which was quite the um, upside here. So was this just sort of an inevitable period of, you know, you get a generation or two out of that. And now we're just sort of co coasting. Rick, what would you make of those comments? The cyclical nature of society. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm very pleased actually you brought up that idea of the you know the cyclical nature of things. And, and you know, I, I I do think you're right. I think a, a lot is a, a, a mountain is made of a, a molehill of certain Greek thinkers, you know, pre-Socratics, um, especially by thinkers like Alain de Benoit, who's a French new right thinker, nouveau droit. Um, really, I mean, the, the Greeks had linear ideas of time as well, but but um, I, I do think that there is something perennial about um, about you know perennial thinking about society, about civilizations, about empires, and um, you know one of the two authors I was speaking about before Hubbard. It's very interesting because he said, okay, yes, um, you know these empires rise and, and fall. Um, but what about these instances in China or Europe where it seems that there is a general cultural civilization that is um, sort of coast? I want to say coasting, like you said there, Tim, but it's sort of um, riding these waves and the civilization itself is not actually properly collapsing. It's not dying. It's it just it's, it's having summers and winters. It's become a perennial thing, not not a sort of, you know, what's the opposite? You know, an annual plant, you know, that you just plant the seed and it's dead within a year. Um, it, 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 it's it's coming back. It's, it's found a way to ride out these things. Um, and his conclusion was that it is the religious motive. But he's a little bit more specific than that. He, you know, he, he points to certain aspects of um uh, confucianism taoism buddhism uh, those ideas in the, the the far east um and obviously he points out especially certain things about christianity um in europe that provided people not not necessarily the ascetic thing you know Sullivan was talking about how that's the opposite of you know what we might call decadence in some ways but just this idea that you've got a um you know, a transcendent view about yourself and about the world, which means that to an extent you, you're not um, thinking in short term. You, you, you're just inclined. It's, it's, it's called a religious motive. Basically, it's providing an incentive there for people um, in a culture just to be thinking generally in a more um low time preference long term you know so you're thinking more about say you know the race you know which is the society across time um then you are about you know your immediate society or even just yourself you know to be you know very imminent you know to be selfish um and um yeah that, i mean that really struck a chord with me um, it, it, well, it, you know, it resonated, it seemed to make sense to me. Um, and I, I don't think it's bias. And uh, once again, you know, I think um, since he wrote that, I think so many, uh, from so many different angles, from so many different um, fields of study, that has, you know, just been strengthened. Uh, the idea that, you know, well, of course, of course, if people are being more self-sacrificing in a society, more public spirited even, um, then uh, they're not going to be as selfish. They're not going to be, you know, they'll, they'll be more concerned with their um, personal 
spiritual development you know i, I want to say and, and what i mean by that specifically is development of themselves in terms of higher ideals more abstract concepts than their material development um in, in the short term is it's, it's, it's very obvious um but the fact that you can actually look at that and get empirical data for ah okay um in terms of degeneracy not necessarily just in an individual's life but in terms of you know a a larger um self-propagating system like a like an empire uh, like a nation um yeah i mean you 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 can see that there are cultural trends which are degenerate and there are um, cultural trends which are what can i say generate that they lead towards um life even you know that spiritual life that you know um that christ spoke of you know it's not just about you know live your best life now no it's about um finding finding a fulfillment that transcends you um and when people in a society tend to live that way everyone seems to benefit from that um it, it tends to create civilizations that last and they can they can weather the storms they can they can grow back they can bloom again after winters have passed um and i mean i i, I guess that's uh, that's my final thought on it really that that's you know i i conclude with her but i think that he's right so then do you have any further comments on the cyclical cyclical nature of uh of, of decadence and degeneracy yeah i, I as i mentioned before i i, I think that this the cyclical nature of it is um is almost certainly true now to what extent it can be mitigated is another question but um i mean the i mean the, the classic example of this would be sort of like the children of uh like the millionaire, the millionaire, the father who spent hours and hours building up his sort of his empire of some description, and that um, then his uh, children then live in luxury from a young age, never knowing anything different, and uh, sort of lack character as such, uh, and then they have no idea how to do anything, and generally just um, pleasure-loving individuals who squander the money, and then the, the sort of family then ends up with well, becomes relatively poor and then you can kind of go for a cycle again, um, which is why historically sort of like the um, aristocracy were always very much on relatively, I won't say harsh, but um, they had very much the sense of duty to sort of impart onto their children so that they were, would um, not just be uh, pleasure lovers and would be sort of socially useful, um, as it were. Um, with respect to... Um, like uh, Tim, you mentioned sound money. I do think it's in, uh, noteworthy that uh, the decadence of the 1920s was really, you could very clearly say, is sort of caused by the uh, Federal Reserve that really started get, getting going properly after the um, First World War. I mean, there's a big recession in 1920, uh, but then you get uh, massive increases in the money supply, very much short term um, approaches to things. And, uh, you know, you can't look uh, sort of long term. And I think that actually relates as well to the public spiritedness. As Rick has pointed out, that had been an important point of uh, what characterizes a decadent and non-decadent society is um, 
it is always well i suppose you could say it's not always but you're always going to be looking out for at least immediately your own um interests and you of your immediate family once you're stable and you have sort of a stable sort of situation you can then look further and beyond yourself after sort of like uh the the castle as it were is fortified um with continuous inflation and debasement of the currency and debasement of savings or whatever um you can't just sort of fortify yourself financially because if you could save and you knew that the uh, the value of your savings would be relatively constant or well, even better go up slightly you know you'd be in a relatively stable situation and then you could kind of look beyond yourself more easily um um but i think um the way in which the financial system operates these days makes that um somewhat more difficult um also i suppose with decadence as well um one of the reasons why america well i'd be interested to see what if there was a correlation between um a, a hofstadter doesn't measure this so i don't know a distance uh, a correlation between indulgence and um physical mobility what do i mean is uh, well how far away do you live from where your parents lived uh, if you if when you're in sort of a hypermobile uh society where people move around for work constantly and they're never really in any particular place for a long period of time again there's very little reason for you to be have any sort of long-term orientation uh, because well, there's the sort of benefits of uh, sort of investing in a local community. Well, there isn't much point because you're going to leave. So why bother? Um, so I, I, I think that's uh, a particularly more contemporary um, cause, something that, well, I mean, may be precursors to some extent, but isn't really anything that's going to be something you see historically before say the 20th century because the internal mo- uh, mobility is, is massively higher um i mean H- england was historically relatively uh, geographically mobile but nowhere near to the same extent as it was today um so i do think that's an, an, an interesting uh note there um but uh, to return to your question i mean it, it's undoubtedly going to have cycles because you know, you look at your parents, they do things, you go, no, they should have done something else, something slightly different. So you do that. And then, you know, to, to what I mean, you might always strive for sort of the golden mean, but you're, you're always going to go one side or the other. And then in almost all cases, sort of your children will react to whichever side you are on and go the other side. Um, so you, cycles of certain forms are inevitable. The question is, to what extent can you make the cycle stable and not going to uh, lead to sort of like full-on collapse that's what i'd say exactly i'd agree entirely i think that's the question um i'm sorry tim i'm I'm jumping in here a bit but no go for um, it go ahead yeah i, I and uh, and uh, you see I, that's where i see there's that intrinsic link with um degeneracy because you know i, I see these uh, rises and declines um, it, 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 that automatically impacts your ability to raise a family. You know, it, it impacts the the birth rates. Um, it, it, it has an impact on the the life of the um, the larger unit than you know just just the individual. Um, it, it, it then has an impact on you know you have massive urbanisation, for instance. 
uh, with massive financialization of the economy as well. Um, and obviously, you know, you mentioned the Federal Reserve, you know, since that time, certainly we've seen this from, you know, throughout the 20th century, especially until now. Um, people are having less children in the West. They're much, they're far less inclined to have children. Uh, they behave more like children, uh, the adults, certainly. You know, there's, there's a, a place where you, you go to paint ceramic pots near me. It's called Arty Pots. And, um, most of the time, it is uh, women in their 30s that are there. They clearly don't have children. Um, anyway, uh, and then there'll be me there with uh, my uh, my larger number of children, um, you know, being more conservative, you know, having those natural inclinations. Um, and, you know, you don't have to look very far. It's It's hardly a secret. It's it's, you know, beyond obvious now. Um, and so, you know, immigration is then sort of because we have greater technology now, immigration is sort of there to, to plug this gap, supposedly. Um, whereas, the you know, the real issue is um, what is it about the culture that is making us so weak that. Um, you know, our birth rates are plummeting. We're not able to ride up this winter. You know, a demographic winter is fast approaching the West. And, um, you, you know, I- immigration of, of people from other countries where, you know, they may come here, but there's zero guarantee that they're suddenly going to have um, low time preference, for instance, and they're going to start thinking far off into the future, or for instance, that they'll um, ever properly sever ties uh, with their country of origin, or you know their um, their their, their culture. You know, all, all sorts of like massive demographic questions um, come into play, and, and then you can look over, say, at a country like um, like Hungary, or you can look at you know Poland, I suppose. Is another example, and they're saying, no, no, no. We, uh, you know, we want to maintain our religion. We want to maintain our our identity, and so we're going to do whatever we can to try and um, increase birth rates, and you know, ride this out. But ride it, ride it out as us, as our people. Um, you know, there's financial, you know, massive um, financialization of a country's economy. It seems to do something to the people where they become very, very individualistic. In the sense of, like you say, Swiven, you know, you know, living in an urban environment, so not a multi-generational home. Um, they they will probably not themselves be looking after their parents in their old age. Um, they may not have children, or they will have children late because her biological clock is driving her mad, and uh, you know they may have one and they have it rather late, um, and. Yeah, that's the situation. Terribly individualistic. Now, in the sense, in the proper meaning of the word degenerate, you know, sort of against um, uh, life, you know, generation of life. um, There's definitely a link there. It's undeniable. You know, we're seeing that now. Um, And yeah, once again, you know, I'd have to agree with Hubbard. I think it's the religious motive there and especially in those people who have a natural inclination towards that 
Um, those are the people and that is the culture, uh, the cultural technology that will then create the institutions that causes a civilization to ride out the winter. Whether there is enough of um, a, you know, a, a truly Christian kind of hardcore, um, you know, whether these bastions still exist throughout the West or whether they are in the world, so that um, what we currently call Western civilization, that, you know, that will somehow re-emerge and bloom again somewhere um obviously that remains to be seen but if anything has a chance of doing it it would be that i'd argue well that's that's excellent that basically ends my uh question for here uh enjoyed doing it um swithin do you have any further comments here um no uh, uh, only insofar as um i think one aspect that you could say is more degenerate of um, today's society than sort of historical ones is that uh, we have uh, a sort of culture in which sort of nature doesn't exist and reality is there merely to be conformed to the, the individual's will, uh, including his own body. Um, uh, I'm thinking here primarily of, uh, uh, well, Lots of trans uh, aspects, uh, including transablism, transhumanism, and the other one, um, trans dinosaur. Um, these sorts of things, it's like, well, there's nothing there. It's just, um, in a way, in today's society, people are treated essentially as irrational and slaves of passion. And that's a sense, sense sort of indulged and uh, is able to be given um, the ability to be achieved because of modern technology. And I think now, whilst that's always been true to some extent, the more technology you have, the more you'd be able to do that. I think we're kind of at a much sort of higher level. I mean, one really weird one um, was apparently now with like some VR, they've got some algorithm to basically like resurrect your dead child. And then you can meet them in some weird sort of VR afterlife, um, which is odd, to put it mildly. Um, and so, again, you know, you could say that could be a, a situation of people inside not be able to deal with death and try to live on, but live on in some sort of weird disembodied kind of existence it's kind of getting similar to sort of like your consciousness consciousness being uploaded to the cloud which was part of a dot two episode that Stephen Moffat wrote I can't remember what it's called um but yeah so that that's um something else you could point to possibly uh which is particularly noteworthy about uh, today's society relative to historical ones just like yeah. to thank uh thank Rick for oh, joining wait, us if, and, if, any if, any final comments yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm, I don't mean to you know cut you cut you short no, 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 go for it. Um, i suppose you've got another 10 minutes to go potentially but um i i'm so glad that you brought all of that up because um you know i i see that again as being so intrinsically tied to um the you know the spiritual question of it all i think you know the, you know the, the wokeism of today you know which um you know leads to all of the different different kind of trans ideas you know transcending the physical self 
Um, it's basically just Gnosticism, uh, which is essentially a, a spiritual individualism. You know, see, it's, it's the it's the the rebellion of Satan against God. It's the rebellion of Prometheus against Zeus. It's it's the, the individual reducing right down to the most inner ego because that's what they feel they have some element of control over um, um, and rejecting everything else rejecting everything else rejecting the natural order is very much what gnosticism has always been about and it's it, it, it's it's this hatred that the, the will is is not free because of the the, the limitations supposedly um, of being embodied physically. Um, and, and, and of course, of course, then, you know, that's going to lead people into some say, you know, I want to be a, a dinosaur or, you know, wh whatever it is, you know, we're maybe joking about. I don't even know. Things are so weird now. So I don't even know if you were joking about the trans dinosaurism, but I wouldn't find it surprising. I wouldn't find it surprising now because um, because of the, the very, very Gnostic uh, religion, which is you know, totally uh, taking control. And uh, Tim, I think you mentioned John Gray earlier. Uh, John Gray wrote a, a book um, which was very prescient about the trend towards Gnosticism, especially in the past 30 years, um, called The Soul of the Marionette. Some really uh, insightful thoughts in there. Um, yes, and, very pessimistic and very excellent. Yeah, it, it was. But, but you can totally see how we are where we are now. And I would say that um, this is very much tied into what we were talking about in terms of the life cycle, the kind of perennialism of of, um, of larger human groupings, of, of, of empires and that sort of thing. Because you've got to ask yourself, you know, are you a part of some larger corporate body, whether that's, you know, the body of Christ or whether that is, um, you know, you, you, you see yourself as intrinsically tied to um, you know a race of people that transcends you know is, is your ancestors but it's also you know you're a part of a process that's reaching forward into time you know do, do you do you see yourself as being intrinsically a part of a natural grouping and a natural order in the world or do, do you reject that out of you know a, a, a very boyish really a boyish kind of rebellious individualistic spirit you, you you despise the world and you just sort of hope that you know you trust in the science and you just trust that technology is just going to at some point um relieve you of your physical body your your most inner ego or will you imagine can somehow be separated from your body in any <laughs> sensible way and um and I don't know, it's it uploaded into a computer. Let's hope it doesn't run on Windows or not. Well, not many better options, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that is the spirit of our time. And that is why the spirit of our time is so very childish. Like Satan, like Prometheus, it's a very bratty kind of teenage rebellious spirit. Um which is very useful to humans, you know, you know, humans are very adaptable because, you know, we have the side of to ourselves where we can say, now I'm going to do my own thing and, and be innovative. And it, it's meant that, you know, people can adapt to all the different environments in the world and then cultures can 
kind of cement around those new ideas and um, you know new schools of thought can emerge um, to help us along in, in many ways. Um, but what we've got now is a kind of hyper individual and is a hyper like novelty, hyper um, rebelliousness away from any natural grouping. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's viewing it as 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 all limitation. Um, and I mean, you know, that that's why I see, um, you know, I, I, ideas about corporatism, especially Christian ideas about corporatism, about um, us being a part of the body of Christ and, and that not being a bad thing. That's a good thing. I mean, yes. OK, you know, we are we're you know, we're consumed into the body of Christ. And also, you know, in the in the, in the Eucharist and the elements of the, the bread and the wine, you know, we're consuming the body of Christ, but you know the nature of this world is that you're going to get chewed up and you're going to be a part of something. Like you, you have to grow up in a culture. You have to grow like with a language. Um, are those things necessarily evil? Is it necessarily a limitation? Does it have to be something that you strike out against, or is there a harmony? Is there a balance? Um, some reconciliation? to be achieved um yeah i mean those are my final thoughts there but uh you know once again i i think that the religious mo- motive has a huge part to play in uh, the, the 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 perennial life of um of, uh, of a civilization of an empire maybe um and you know necessary to that it, you you have to you have to make some sacrifices you have to make some sacrifice you have to give of yourself you know to give and and not count the cost um very hard to do how do you how do you motivate people towards that uh well through love i think um and uh and, you know that's 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 the christian message and uh and that's that's what i hold to so I guess I, I'm 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 ending where I where I started really, aren't I? Just sort of leaning back onto uh, onto my Christian moral sensibilities, but it's it's a good place to be. Thank you again uh, for joining us, Rick. Uh, with the trans, I'm not aware of trans dinosaur, but I am aware of somebody who had pl- uh, plastic surgery to make himself look like an elf. Um, so I I do know that that is true. I believe it was in Brazil. He made his legs longer and gave him pointy ears. So uh, maybe the dinosaur will come soon. I'm not aware of the dinosaur quite yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. And now I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And please subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. Uh, the more um, uh, subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings, and the more people can access uh, this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com.